Well, good morning again. It's uh, good to see you all, and I will try to remember to look in all directions here as we hear God's Word together. Um, as, as we begin, I, I want to do something a little bit different. I'd like to ask you all to uh, do a little fill-in-the-blank exercise here, and uh, children, you can join in this. If somebody... or if you were to think about it and think about something that you would really like somebody to say to you, what would that be? What would it make you happy to hear? Think about it. Most of us, I think, would say, well, I would be happy to hear that spring has arrived. Or that COVID is over. Um, What did you fill in the blank with? I would be happy if they said to me, you got the job. Or the Sixers won it all. Or you're having a baby. Or school is out. Or you passed the exam. Or your cancer is gone. I would be happy if they said this to me. Turn in your Bibles and turn to Psalm 122. And we're going to get another answer. Another answer to that question. What would make you happy to hear from others? Psalm 122 and verse One, I was glad, I was glad, I was happy to the extreme. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Let's pray. Lord, would you please bless your word to us now. Speak. Lord, and work in such a way that everyone in this place or watching virtually, everyone will be able to say, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the Lord's house. Lord, grant us such joy in the pursuit of and the experience of your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, Psalm 122 is one of about 15 songs of ascent that we find in the collection of ancient hymns known as the Psalms. These were, these were songs that the people of God used to sing as they ascended the hill in approaching the temple. If you've ever seen any models of or pictures of Jerusalem, you would know that there was a temple that was placed on the highest elevation in the city. And to get to the temple, you had to go up a hill. And they walked that. They didn't hop in their car and drive there. They walked up the hill to the temple. And as they ascended, as they walked from wherever they lived, however close or far that was, they sang along the way. They spent at least some of their commute singing their way to temple. Now what did they sing? Well, among the 15 ascent psalms that we have in the Scriptures is this one, Psalm 122, a song celebrating the house of the Lord in the holy city of Jerusalem or Zion. And I want us to look at this psalm and draw from it lessons for our own lives. As we, as we look at the psalm, let's, let's ask two questions here. First, Somewhat in review, but good to review and expound on even further. What is the house of the Lord? And then second, what happens in the house of the Lord? What is the house of the Lord and what happens in the house of the Lord? So first of all, we ask the question, what is the house of the Lord? And without any apology, you're going to hear echoes from last week's message in this week, as well as if anyone paid attention to the blog post that I wrote this week, you will hear some echoes from that as well. What is the house of the Lord? Well, let's, let's state the obvious first. The house of the Lord is a place where the Lord lives. It is His house. After all, a house is a place or space that is intended for somebody's abiding presence. In this case, our God's abiding presence. Now you know, we all know that God is everywhere. God is omnipresent. That's a big word uh, for you children, big word for maybe some of the adults. God is omnipresent. Present. Omni means all. Present means present. It means God is present in all places all the time. God is everywhere all the time. There is no place in all the galaxies that you can go where God will not be there. He is everywhere. But the Scriptures teach us that there are certain places where God makes His presence felt and known in a different way than it is felt in other places. There are places throughout history that God has called His house. The place where He lives. The place where we can meet Him. The, the house of God is a place 
where God's extra special activity and blessing and power and presence are felt. So, what is the house of God? Well, it's where God is. It's where God is. But perhaps not quite as simple as that is another part of the answer The house of God is not an actual building or structure. You'll remember this from last week. This is not the house of God. We are the house of God. The Scriptures emphasize this in the New Testament. While in the Old Testament there was first the tabernacle and then there was the temple, in the New Testament Jesus comes and He says, no more am I going to meet in special buildings. From now on I'm going to meet in special people. From now on my house is going to be wherever my people Gather. Listen to these scriptures again. A couple of these I read last week, but they, they bear repeating for us. 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 16. For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. As you, as you come to him, A living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up. You are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. And maybe the text that says this most eloquently and amazingly is Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 22. So then, hear this, all of you who can remember well the day when you were separated from God and everything about God was strange to you and everything about God was perhaps even obnoxious to you. Paul writes, so then, You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And you have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone in whom, in Christ, the whole structure being joined together. This is talking about us, folks. Being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you also, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You and I are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This building is not the church. We are the church. And we, as the church, when we entered this building, it still remained a building. It's cement and stone and windows and whatever else is part of this massive structure. It's just a building. Just a building. But you're not. We are a holy temple 
to the Lord. It's not stained glass. It's not high vaulted ceilings. It's not an organ that would lift the roof off of this if we let it, turned it loose completely. By the way, you'll be hearing that organ in worship uh, in the next couple of weeks. You understand, right, that we could, we could be meeting in a dilapidated old barn singing to the accompaniment of a harmonica with everybody sitting on bales of hay and me preaching from a wooden box. And we would be in and be God's house just as much as we are here. What an amazing privilege. What an astonishing calling we have. It is a holy calling. It is a calling to be the house of God. It is a holy calling. And it is a calling that calls on us to be holy so that His temple, His house, might be prepared for His dwelling. Now, if we've answered the question, what is the house of God? We need to answer the question, what happens in the house of God? And I want us to quickly just run through this psalm to, to see six answers to that question. And I should say this right up front, full disclosure. These things happen in the house of God, but not to perfection. Not without failure or flaw. No, these are all flawed and we fail in all these things to one measure or another and will, and will until the day comes when we are in the eternal house of God and all things are made perfect and right. So, full disclosure, in saying what we're going to say and hearing what we're going to hear, this is not describing us as as if perfect in these things, but it is calling on us to pursue these things. So what happens in the house of God? Number one, joy will abound. Joy will abound. Psalm 122 and verse 1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. The Hebrew word here, the understanding of it ranges all the way from simple, quiet happiness to exuberant, celebratory exaltation. And my sense as I read this psalm is that David was not over here in the the quiet happiness part of it. He was over here in the exuberance. I was glad. I was rejoicing. I felt like celebrating when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. It is a place of joy. I had a couple of people say to me this week that last Sunday I looked like I might have been the happiest man on earth. And I am here to tell you, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And I wasn't thinking about the building. I was thinking about all of you. It was a moment of joy. This is a moment of joy. It is good to be together. It is good. And it gives joy when songs emerge from troubled hearts where fellowship happens between diverse people, where the bread and the cup draw us closer to Christ. Next week, we're having communion together. 
There is joy when prayer rises like incense. There is joy when sacrificial tithes and offerings are given. There is joy when a very, very old book is read and is still alive and powerful in our hearts. There is joy when baptismal waters symbolize cleansing and a new life. There is joy when the dead are raised and those who were once born are born again. I was glad when they said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. Joy will abound. Number two, thanksgiving will resound. Thanksgiving will resound. Children, the, words resound, the word resound means it will sound, sound forth. It will make a noise, but that noise will be loud enough that it will resound. It will, it will sound forth again. It's almost as if it will echo. It is so loud that it will echo back. It, it, will, it will fill the place. Thanksgiving will resound. Look at verses 3 and 4. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. The Lord's house is a place of thanksgiving and praise where thanks is cast before the Lord, thrown into the presence of the Lord. Biblical thanksgiving was seldom muted. It was usually loud. Read some of the thanksgiving songs in the book of Psalms, like Psalm 136, and you'll get the, you'll get the sense that this was not quiet gratitude. This was effusive and loud gratitude. How about Psalm 136? Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for His steadfast love endures forever. Join me in that. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. Why? For his, say it, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to him who alone does great wonders for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to him who by understanding made the heavens for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to him who spread out the earth above the waters for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who made the great lights, the sun to rule over the day, and the moon and stars to rule over the night, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to Him who remembered us in our low estate and rescued us from our foes and gives food to all flesh for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven for His steadfast love endures forever. And the people of God say amen and amen and amen. The house of God is where thanksgivings 
resound. Joy will abound. Thanksgiving will resound. You might be seeing where this is going to go here. Number three, hearts will be bound. Bound. Not bound in slavery, but bound in unity. Notice verse 3. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together. Jerusalem was the city where the house of God was. And Jerusalem and the house of God, the temple, came in the New Testament to be an expression of the church, of us gathered together. So when the psalmist says Jerusalem was built as a city that is bound firmly together, he was describing unity. God has bound us together. It's the language of unity, even while there is still conflict and trouble and angst and uncertainty and stress, even though we feel at times disconnected, even though sin can divide us and attitudes can offend us, we are still united in Christ. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Spirit, one body, one God and Father of all, and we are bound in heart together. In the house of God, joy will abound, thanksgiving will resound, hearts will be bound, and justice will be crowned. Look at verse 5. There, in the Lord's house in Jerusalem, there thrones for judgment were set. David is saying that the house of God, the church, the people of God, in its ideal condition, is a place where righteous judgment and justice happen. Judgment has to do with just decisions and just actions. It is enthroned. It is crowned in the house of God. This isn't justice as defined by the left or justice as defined by the right, but justice as defined by God. And it is a justice. It is a sound and righteous judgment that involves giving each other what is, what is their due. And giving each other what we owe. What is your due? What will judgment, righteous justice do? It will give you the respect that is owed as one who has been made in the image of God. As one who has been chosen by the Father from before time. As one who has been redeemed with precious blood. As one who is destined for eternal glory. You are worthy of, you are deserving of, I owe you respect. I owe you dignity. I owe you honor. Justice and judgment will do that. It will also give what is owed. What does Paul say in Romans chapter 13? He says, not to owe anyone anything except what? Anybody know? To love each other. That's the debt that we have. We are called to love each other. 
as part of judgment and justice within the church. Joy will be found. Thanksgiving will resound. Hearts will be bound. Justice will be crowned. And fifth, benedictions, benedictions will surround. Benedictions, prayers of blessing and prayers for peace and safety will surround our lives and our relationships and our conversations. Look at verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. You all know, I, I hope, and maybe the, maybe the kids are not aware of this term, a benediction is a prayer that asks God to bless others. It's a prayer that sometimes is at the beginning of worship or at the beginning of a conversation or when you first meet somebody and you say, God bless you. Or as you're leaving somebody's presence, you say, may God be with you. In the house of God, benedictions surround. God's people in Scripture were people, this is how they said hello and goodbye in Bible times. They didn't just say hi or bye. They said, grace to you and peace. You ever notice how many of the letters in the New Testament begin and end? with such prayers. Grace be to you and peace from our Lord Jesus Christ. May you have blessing. May the love of God our Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. In the house of God, there is the prayer of benediction, the prayer of blessing not just by the pastor at the end of the service, but can I suggest, brothers and sisters, that it become part of our, a more regular part of our interaction with each other. When we greet each other, God bless you, it's good to see you. When we say goodbye to each other, may the Lord go with you and bless you and keep you. The house of God is a place where benedictions Surround And then finally, the house of God, the Lord's house. See if you can do this with me now. It is, it is a place where joy will be found, right? Thanksgiving will resound. Hearts will be bound. Justice will be crowned. Benedictions will surround. And finally, devotion will abound. Devotion will abound. Look at verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. God's people love the house of the Lord, which means they love the church, which means they love 
the people in the church. They love the house of the Lord. And, and notice verse 9, For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. This is, this is a love that the psalmist had for the house of the Lord that, that took action. This was a love that was proactive. This was a love that sought the good of the house of God. This was a love that was not selfish, not just wanting when in the house of God, but seeking the good of others. It was active. This was active devotion. Brothers and sisters, many, many years ago, many years ago in my life, probably at least 30, 35 years ago in my life, I, re I remember the Lord giving me this, this, like this three-part expression of what should be the attitude and the commitment, the devotion of my life. Number one was this, Christ Jesus loves the church and gave Himself for her. Ephesians 5, right? Christ Jesus loves the church and gave Himself for her. Number two, I am supposed to be like Christ. Number one, Christ Jesus loved the church and gave Himself for her. Number two, I am supposed to be like Christ. Therefore, number three, what? I must love the church and give myself for her. Do you see the logic of that? Number one, Christ Jesus loves the church and gave Himself for her. He is the ultimate expression of what the psalmist says, I will seek your good. Jesus sought our good at all expense to Himself. He paid it all so that we might be His bride, His church, His house. He sought our good through the cross. He sought our good through all His sufferings and all His sacrifice. He gave it all for our good. Christ Jesus loved the church and gave Himself for her. I am supposed to be like Christ Jesus. Therefore, I must love the church and give myself for her. And the same is true for you. This is the calling of God on our lives. In the house of God, devotion will abound. People will love the church because they love the Lord of the house. And people will give themselves for the good of the church. In our attending, in our encouragements, in our positive attitudes, in our giving, in our serving, in our spirit of commitment and humility and grace, devotion must be and will be found in the house of God. Many of you uh, have seen the words of Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon was a pastor back in the 1800s uh, and was called the Prince of Preachers because he had an eloquence to him that was, was almost uh, otherworldly. It was just 
I wish I could have heard him in person, but just to read him is to read eloquence, Jesus-centered, focused eloquence. He said on one occasion, give yourself to the church. You that are members of the church have not found it perfect, and I hope that you feel almost glad that you have not. If I had never joined a church till I found one that was perfect, I would never have joined one at all. And the moment I did join it, if I had found one, I should have spoiled it, for it would not have been a perfect church after I had become a member of it. Still, imperfect as it is, it, the church, the house of God, is the dearest place on earth. Therefore, all who have first given themselves to the Lord should as speedily as possible give themselves to the Lord's people. That's the devotion that the psalmist had. It was almost as if he wrote Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. Joy will be found there. Thanksgiving will resound. Their hearts will be bound. Their justice will be crowned. Their benedictions will surround there. And devotion will abound there. And can I suggest as I close that if you sense, as I often have through the years, if you sense a cooling of your heart toward the church, toward the house of God, if you sense things are just not feeling right, can I recommend that you pour yourself even more into the life of the church in moments like that? Because your heart will follow your investment. You know that, right? Jesus said, don't lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break in and steal. But lay up your treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupt and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What we invest in is where our heart is going to go. The more we love each other, the more we seek each other's good, the more we live to build and strengthen and sanctify the, the house of God among us, the more we invest, the more we will be able to say, I love the church. It is the dearest place on earth. May God give us such a passion for his house. May Psalm 122 become a psalm that characterizes us from week to week and month to month. I was glad when they said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you to move us, affect us, 
Take us deeper, O Lord, into what it means to be your house, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And take us deeper into the spirit of the psalmist who so loved your dwelling place. Father, thank you for each one here. Thank you that we are living stones being built together. Would you build us strong? Would you build us deep? Will you please build us so that we will grow? Grow in grace, grow in joy, grow in numbers. That on this street corner, in this building, you would meet with us week after week. Thank you, O Lord, for your mercies. May these things abound in our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we close and dismiss, I want to encourage you, remind you that uh, we do have a very beautiful, lovely, inviting prayer room downstairs to my right. Just go down the stairs. You can't miss it. Um, If you want to spend some time just in prayer, uh, it's a good, quiet place to go. Places to kneel, places to sit. Um, That will be open every week before our worship at 9.30. And after our worship uh, for up to an hour or however long people want to pray. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you all and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.